Welcome, awesome admission professionals. This podcast is the Admissions Entrepreneur, a day in the life. I'm your host, Tom Skank, and I'm the founder of Dartmouth Associates. We are the creators of the results-oriented recruiting solution known as ROAR. ROAR is an enrollment intervention strategy that integrates entrepreneurial thinking and sales fundamentals to immediately help schools in crisis. We offer personal 360 consulting as well as affordable training products on the website. If you need help, please go to our website at dartmouthassociates.com. That's dartmouthassociates.com or email us at dartmouthassociates at gmail.com. That is dartmouthassociates at gmail.com. Today, we are bringing fun and insights to your profession. We have exciting people who share their unique life stories with you. We've got a lineup of fabulous guests, so please make sure to catch each episode. Now, let's get started. Well, good morning, everyone. This is Tom Skank, your host of the Admissions Entrepreneur, A Day in the Life. With me, I have a fabulous guest, Anne Eileen Benke. But before we introduce Anne, I need to make a correction that we talked about in a previous podcast. We had talked about an admissions training certificate program, and we said it was at UCLA. That was our mistake. It is actually USC's Rossier School of Education. And they can be reached at cerp.usc.edu backslash enrollment.management. And we will also put this in the show notes. My guest, Anne Eileen Banke, after finishing boarding school at Woodlands Academy of the Sacred Heart in Lake Forest, Illinois, she headed to Spring Hill College in Mobile, Alabama, where she graduated in 1982 with a bachelor's in history. In 1983, she graduated from Washington University in St. Louis with a master's in guidance and counseling. From there, she worked at Sacred Heart Academy at Grand Gouteau, Louisiana, where she was director of college counseling, dorm parent for eighth, ninth, and 10th grade girls, coach tennis, taught psychology, and assisted in admissions when needed. Sounds like a real pedigree to me, Ann. Uh, She then spent 12 years as the Dean of Admission at the Idlewild Arts Academy in Idlewild, California. In 2004, Ann joined the admission office at St. Mark's School in Southboro, Massachusetts, where she is completing her 17th year as Director of Admission. Ann is one of the nation's preeminent thought leaders in admissions. She has been the president of the Western Boarding Schools Association, was the recipient of the Al Hilton Award, and was the recipient also of the Everett E. Gourley Award through the Enrollment Management Association. Furthermore, Anne is on the faculty of the Admission Training Institute for the Enrollment Management Association. Anne is also continuing to be a girls tennis coach for the varsity, serves on the senior administrative team and chairs the external relations committee. She lives on campus with her Cocker Spaniel, Nettie. And a personal note, Anne was born and raised in Decatur, Illinois. She has five brothers and sisters and nine nieces and nephews. Anne, welcome. So nice to have you. It's so great to be here. Thank you. Um, just a just a a brief note. Anne and I, you go, you and I go way back. So it, and we're just kind of reconnecting. So what a what an absolute delight. Uh, thank you again for your time, Anne. Well, it's my pleasure. Thank you. I want to start off with a question having to do with your your incredible tenure. And admissions. And 
My question is, what are the major challenges and changes you've seen in admissions over the course of your career? Wow. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's interesting. When I first started in admission, Tom, it was back in the days where you really didn't feel like you had to work very hard to get someone to enroll at your school. You, you met them, you interviewed them, you told them all the wonderful things about your school, and then you waited for them to say yes after they were accepted and then they enrolled and you just were happy if your school was enrolled. And I, until I got to St. Mark's, I worked at schools where you know, all the way through September, you were trying to fill the school. Sure. And so it, back in those days, you know, marketing wasn't one of the buzzwords. That's um, right. Website design wasn't in our vocabulary. Um, it was a time when I traveled. When Do you remember the bag phones where you plugged your bag? Your <laughs> and there wasn't a GPS system and you went to triple a to get your um, six. Yes. When you were driving around trying to find your school, you looked for the, the lights on the football field and then you <laughs> knew you were close to a school. So, you know, what has changed over the years is we've become very data driven schools. Marketing is very important. Web design is very important. But I think one of the things that has not changed over the years, Tom, is the customer service and the personalization of what we do. Um, I try to think of um, this is a very relationship building profession that we're in. And it's very important to always stay in contact with our families and our students and You know, one of the things that I've learned over the years, I used to take it so personally when someone that I had worked with over the course of the year was accepted and then said no. And I used to think, what have I done wrong? You know, what did I do? How do I fix this? And, you know, learning over the years that families have choices and they're doing their research and our families have become very savvy over the years. And it may not have anything to do with our school that they said no. It might be because there was something different somewhere else that spoke to them. So really, you know, fine tuning the profession. What do we do in our schools? How do we put our teams together? Um, Reaching out to families. Um, It's just, it's a profession that has grown immensely over the years, but it's not easy what we do. No, it, it, it certainly isn't. Uh, what, are the, what do you think right now, um, and certainly COVID is part of it, but what do you think are the greatest challenges that admissions faces today? I think uh, financial aid is a challenge and schools trying to, um, you know, what we do is we change lives. Absolutely. These wonderful kids, we bring them to our schools. We are changing lives. I think financial aid is something that we all struggle with. And what I have seen over the years is how heads of schools and board of trustees have really um, answered that call and helped admission offices increase those budgets. Mm. I think also, you know, just given the competitive nature of the world, um, students are applying to a lot of the same schools. Mm. And so we're all competing um, with the same kids and they're wonderful kids and we all want them. <laughs> yes, yes, we all, we all do. Um, obviously, getting back to the people side, it is about engagement, absolutely. And engaging as personally and as honestly as possible and as quickly as we can. This episode is sponsored by School Connections. The idea is simple, affordable and meaningful venues for traditional boarding schools, therapeutic schools, and domestic and international educational consultants to come together for informational and networking purposes. This process 
ultimately leads to the successful placing of students into the most compatible environments. School Connections workshops involve multiple individual meetings between educational consultants and admissions representatives from schools and programs. Their workshops range from two to three days and allow attendees to maximize their time with individual appointments in one workshop in one location. I know from experience, School Connections is a fantastic program. And if you are looking for students, please reach out to them at schoolconnections.org. That's schoolconnections.org. What do you like to think is, is Anne's secret sauce? Uh, you know, <laughs> I think my secret sauce is being as kind and attentive as I can to our families. And sometimes no matter how kind and how attentive you are, you know as well as I do from being in this profession, sometimes that's not enough. But being true to myself and, and paying attention to the families, but also paying attention to my own colleagues in my school and um, paying attention to our families and just taking care of them. Sure. When you say paying attention to your own school, do you mean staying up with the students that you've enrolled and seeing how they're doing, keeping that relationship going? I think it goes a little bit deeper than that. It's um, talking to my colleagues, finding out how they're doing, what makes them happy, uh, what are the kids like that we brought in um, to the school, what are your favorite things about a student that you've taught this year? Um, and admittedly, sometimes I don't do that as much as I would like to. It's something that's, that's it's on my list of things to do, but really learning what, what makes our faculty happy? What do they love about the kids that we've brought in? Well, and I think that probably speaks a lot to your success because so often, um, I remember there were admission offices that were almost in a silo onto themselves. Uh, admissions did their thing. Faculty was not involved like you do. And it was, it was really two different camps. So obviously, because we know it's a, it's a team effort to enroll and obviously retain and re-enroll kids, which is part of the process. So I, I appreciate you bringing that up because that is something that people coming into the profession cannot forget. And that is, yes, you have to enroll kids, but it's not just your office. It's really the whole school that does it together. Well, you know, when you enter this profession, Tom, you don't know what you don't know. And you <laughs> learn, really, you learn so much by the seat of your pants and by asking questions and finding those that have been at the school far longer than you have and asking questions about the history of the school. But networking is so important in this profession. And this is why I'm so appreciative to have the opportunity to do this podcast with you because networking has, got, has gotten me through a lot in my career. Can you share a, a particular story where networking really made a big difference for you? Sure. Um, unfortunately, um, this dear friend has since um, passed on, but Ed Kowalicek was- oh, sure, I remember Ed. Such a mentor for me. And he was someone that I could pick up the phone anytime and say, what would you do in this situation? What are your thoughts? How would you walk me through this? Can you believe what happened today? Can you believe <laughs> what somebody said to me? But just having that calm voice on the other end of the phone saying, okay, let's think about this. Let's walk through this. So Ed was a huge influence in my life. Now, what? remind me, what school was Ed with? Ed was at several different schools. Um, he was last at Georgetown Prep. Uh-huh. And where was he before that? I, I, I don't quote me on this, but I believe he was at the Hill School. Yes, I think, I think you're absolutely right. Yeah, what a wonderful guy. Um, so many people in admissions are wonderful people, which is, I think, uh, why, 
why we're really missing this face-to-face stuff. Um, I mean, I, I, this, this, this kind of engagement is fun, but I think the, the conferences are something the profession is missing, the face-to-face conferences just to, uh, just to see our colleagues. I wanted to ask you, you know, COVID has had a, certainly an effect uh, and schools, you know, we've had to pivot in many ways. What do you think are some of the adjustments to COVID that, that are here to stay? That's really helped, they're gonna help schools round out their approach to the admission process. Well, the first thing I wanna say is kudos to every school out there that literally turned their admission process on its head in order to figure out how to fill our schools. I would say that, you know, Zoom, Zoom has been amazing from the standpoint that it really has helped us reach a group of students that we might not have reached because they couldn't visit campus for a variety of reasons. So I would think that Zoom is probably here to stay Mm -hmm. for families that aren't able to travel, for international families who can't get here in a timely manner or still if travel is an issue, Um, but also for families that might not have the means to come and visit our schools, it's a way to reach out. And to share our schools with them. The admission office process is changing. The profession is changing. What can we do as a profession to continue to attract the best and the brightest? Um, What can we do? I think we need as schools to be true to ourselves. We need to promote our schools, but not make promises we can't keep. We can't be everything to every family that looks at our schools. Um, As long as we understand our mission and we talk about our mission and we know where our schools are headed, we're going to attract the right kinds of students to our schools. Sure. How does that relate to uh, admission professionals? How do we attract the admission professionals um, that that are cream of the crop type folks versus them going into other other endeavors? You know, I would say that if you are someone that loves working with people, Mm -hmm. if you love to be challenged, if you are competitive, if (laughs) if you don't mind long days, long weekends and travel, but you really, really enjoy working with people from all over the world, by all means, take a look at this profession. Is it easy? No. Is it fun? Yes. Is it challenging? Absolutely. Do you wake up some days and think, oh my gosh, I can't do what I did yesterday again, but you can. And I have often said to my colleagues and my team, there's not a day that I wake up that I can't wait to go to work. And, and, and here you are, you know, a, a lifetime professional in this business, and you still have this incredible enthusiasm. As I, as I told you when we first uh, kind of reconnected on the phone, it's the same excited Anne back from Idlewild. This episode is sponsored by the Independent Educational Consultants Association. It is the largest and most respected organization representing independent educational consultants. An IECA member educational consultant is a skilled professional who provides counseling to help students and families choose a school that is a good personal match, one that will foster the student's academic and social growth. IECA members adhere to the strictest ethical ethical standards in the profession, visit hundreds of campuses each year, and are among the most experienced educational consultants in the profession. They focus on finding the best match between student and school. Many schools have gained students from new communities because of their outreach to IECA members. Personally, I was a director of admissions for 20 years, and the IECA consultants were crucial in helping me find the best mission-appropriate students. They are fantastic people to work with. In fact, national and regional media, as well as government agencies, rely on IECA as the authority 
of the profession. IECA is consistently cited by the media as the association with ethical, student-centered advising. For more information on how to connect with IECA members, go to IECAonline.com. That's IECAonline.com. So having, having said that, let's get back to your team. What is it that you do that imparts the and secret sauce to your team? And how do you continue to keep them engaged, excited, and trained? Training in particular, how do you, how do you make sure that they, they keep sharp with their skills? Well, I don't know that it's necessarily me as much as it is. I've just got this incredible team that we mesh really, really well together. And um, one of the things that I did last year, well, not I did, but um, the school did, is we created the position of Director of Enrollment Management. And so um, Morgan in my office is Director of Enrollment Management, and I'm Director of Admission. And the two of us have really formed this incredible bond with each other over the last year where we've worked very closely. And um, I think maybe if there's something that I have done, it's given members of the team the autonomy to really dig deeply into the things that they love to do and to let them run with that. Can Can you expound upon that a little bit? Give us an example of, say, one person and what they're doing because they love doing it. Sure. So I will pick out Channing, Uh who I have watched literally fall in love with planning events and working with the students and the faculty who are presenting. And so... um, added to her position director of enroll director of admission event planning ah. and it's just been so fun to watch her take that and run with it and she's really really talented in that area that's a that's a great great example let's go back to um the fact that there is a there is a position at the school of director of enrollment management describe the difference of what you do versus what the other person does who is director of enrollment sure. management. so the director of enrollment management really is a strategic position um and so and it's it's elise who is amazing um And she does a lot of the strategic planning, a lot of the strategic thinking. She works with our our institutional researcher. And what it has done, it has freed me up to do some more different kind of admission work and some more day-to-day work and um, more involvement with um, the families and being able to do some overarching work. Gotcha. And that's, and, and that's really your forte is like you said, it's the connect is your ability to connect uh, very intensely with families very quickly all the way through the process. And that's, a, mean, that's a gift. I would say, I mean, I'm not very good at, at praising myself for many things. <laughs> I would say one of the things that is my strength is my personal relationships. And so um, Elise, she would work with, say, the big data, so to speak, uh, that comes in. She would analyze that and then kind of help give some direction to the marketing efforts. Was that, was that something she would do? Well, it's more she works directly with, the, um, with our director of institutional research. She also works with the whole team. Um, we all work together. But she has a gift she has a real gift for seeing the bigger picture. And that's what I really appreciate about Elise. She can look at something and say, you know, I think maybe we should think about this or why don't we change what we're doing here? So she's very much a big picture thinker. Gotcha, gotcha. And how long has that been that position been at the school? We're just shy of having it for one year. Oh, wow. Okay. And how did that come about? I mean, you were running the admission office 
And so how did the idea germinate? So um, one of the things that I appreciate about my head of school is he does an audit of each of the major offices every three years, just okay. to kind of get an idea of how people are doing, if there's any changes that need to be made. So I was very lucky to be able to do an audit with um, someone I think you might know, Jerry Larson. And um, so we, um, he did an audit and out of this audit came the suggestion that um, I, uh, director of admission would uh, oversee the director of enrollment management. Yeah. And so Elise and I work very, very closely with each other now. Okay. Well, you couldn't have had a better guy to work with. Jerry's one of my dear friends. And uh, as I, as I think I alluded to when we, when I first reached out is, you know, I, I said, give me some, give me some top professionals and your name was right on that list. So um, I'm glad to hear that that Jerry was involved in that program, and obviously he had a chance to see to see your work pretty pretty intensely. Um, let me get back a little bit to the to the aspect of training. Um, how do you keep your keep your? I mean, do you have a training regiment with your staff? Or do you train weekly on certain things? Uh, how do you keep them abreast and on top of things? Sure. We have a weekly um, team meeting, uh -huh. which includes all the officers and the support staff. And we talk about, you know, pressing issues in the office. And then I do encourage my officers to do professional training. So um, they, we do um, people of color conference, the enrollment management association conference, a lot of things through ASNI, through tabs. I really, really like everyone in the office to have an opportunity to say, this is what I would like to do. This is what I'm interested in. May I attend this conference? Um, nine times out of 10, I'm going to say, go for it. Um, this is great that this is something that you're interested in. And I also know that, uh, EMA and ASAP, they have a tremendous libraries of webinar topics that people can get in contact with also. That's what's been really great about this past year with COVID uh -huh. and schools trying to navigate COVID is all the webinars and the Zoom meetings that have been made available to us through ASAP and EMA and ASNI, it's been terrific. Now talk to me about ASNI. What do they do? How are they different than? Uh, so ASNI is the Association of Independent Schools in the Northeast. And so it's a regional organization and they offer some terrific training in um, all different areas. And it's, it's not necessarily for admission professionals, it's all school professionals. So it's health and wellness, it's um, uh, diversity, inclusion and equity training, it's, it's admission training, it's head of school training. Talking about equity and inclusion, how has that say over the last year given the state of the world or the nation, how has that affected your approach to admissions philosophically? Well, equity inclusion is something that we've always been um, concerned about uh, even before the events of last year. Uh -huh. So um, we have, I want one of the things I would love to do is give a shout out to someone else on my team, Starry Zhu, who she runs all of the affinity groups on campus with our students. And wow. so she has really been a force in keeping us informed about mm. equity and inclusion and what the kids are working through, which has really helped us with in speaking with our families and talking to our families when they're asking questions. We are also... Um, working very, very hard to become an anti-racist school. And we're doing a lot of work with our board of trustees. We have a new director of, of equity and inclusion. Oh, oh you do? 
work with, um, and we've had one for years. We just have a, a new gentleman, John Daves, who started in um, July with us. And he's been tremendous in um, helping us in this initiative. Let me, let me talk about some of the other strategies that you as a successful admissions executive, shall we say, how do you stay, how do you stay focused and balanced? Because as you said, this is a profession that requires late nights and weekends many times. How do you stay focused and balanced and do other things to clear your mind after a tough day? What's your strategy? I'm not a really good person to ask that question. (laughs) I am a terrible workaholic. And um, as people have said to me, you bleed blue and white. And (laughs) you're always working. One thing that I have gotten better at, I think, I used to be notorious for sending emails like at two and three in the morning because I'm not (laughs) much of a sleeper. And they're like, what are you doing? This episode is brought to you by ISCA. Does your board chair know about ISCA, the Independent School Chairpersons Association? The mission of ISCA is to support independent school board chairs in becoming effective governance leaders for their boards. ISCA accomplishes this by offering peer support and networking resources and educational opportunities. Get your board chair connected to ISCA today by visiting iscachairs.org. That's I-S-C-A-C-H-A-I-R-S dot org. I-S-C-A-C-H-A-I-R-S dot org. But I tell you, uh, one of the things that I look forward to every year after admission season is over is I coach the varsity girls tennis team. Yes. It forces me to get out of the office and be on the courts with the girls. And I have to tell you, it is my favorite hour and a half of the afternoon every spring. Well, and and that also gets back to the fact that, as people have said, if you love what you if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life just because there's a joy uh, that, that comes from for you. Certainly, certainly this profession. All right. So you 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 get out and you have your hour and a half at the tennis team. But I mean, what's a day? I mean, you look you look incredible. I mean, do you work out at a certain time regularly? Do you eat a certain diet? What 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 other secrets can you share? Um, well, I'm lucky enough to be on three different USTA tennis teams. So oh, I okay. in the summer. And then um, I'm also on a um, what's called CMTA, which is Central Massachusetts Tennis Association. It's a women's travel league. Really? Um, COVID has put a, a, a damper on a lot of that, but uh, we've just been able to start again to compete mm. in USTA. So, so that's something that I love to do. How fun. So you actually you'll travel to different cities and have tournaments, things like that? Yep. Yep. And then uh, what was really fun is the, the year before COVID, I was lucky enough to be on three teams and every single team made the playoffs. So it was three weekends in a row where it was just incredible, intense competition. And if you know me, the way you (laughs) know me, I love competition. So. And, and, and you embrace competition because you know, at, at the start of every new admissions year, uh, there's, a, there's a number to go get. Yep, yep. And, you know, I think <clears throat> my work ethic started when I was very, very young because I grew up a competitive swimmer and a competitive springboard diver. Really? And so I was in the water every morning from 5.30 to 7 before school. And then my mother would come and pick me up with breakfast in the car, drop me off at school. And then from 4.30 to 6 every afternoon, I was back in the water. Oh, I, swimming was something that I did not do. I was a water polo player, but I remember people on the swim team, it was always two-a-day practices. That was, that was pretty usual, right? Yep. Um, yep. 
So you were the swimmer and the diver. So what was your, what was your uh, race? What was your strength? <laughs> I was a butterflyer. Oh my gosh. You are <laughs> tough. <laughs> well, was your, was your whole family involved in sports? Was that part of uh, the family growing up? You know, it's, we were, and that's such a fun question because one of the things that my parents always stressed with us was do, do a lot of different sports and then finally pick the one that you love. So my older brother was a big swimmer at Hobart. My next brother was a wrestler. I was a swimmer and a diver. And it wasn't until later in my life that I got into tennis my sister, um, she was an absolutely beautiful writer. She did um, equestrian events. And then my next two brothers were both tennis players as well. Well, I'm, I'm glad to hear that you at least got one wrestler in there. <laughs> that, that was my sport. I, I had no um, kinesthetic awareness in the air versus a diver. I mean, I think I'd be hard pressed to do a front flip off a low board. I mean, I, but my sons, uh, you know, they got, they got the gift from my wife. Um, let me go back a little bit back to the admissions profession before we go on to a couple of other things. I wanted to ask you in terms of changes, changes in admissions, what evolution have you seen in terms of admission software? What is it, what is it doing well and where does it still need to improve? <laughs> well, what we've seen over the years is you sign on with one software <laughs> and then it gets purchased by another software and then it gets purchased by um, another software. Here's what I have seen happen over the years, which has been wonderful. When I first started in admission, software was very clunky. It was not user-friendly. Um, even the manuals never helped you work through what you were trying to do. You're right. They were horrible. They were terrible. So I would say that they become very, very user-friendly. They become very attentive to their clients. Um, they are understanding our needs. They are meeting our needs. They are reaching out to us asking, how can we make this software better and easier for you? So that's something that um, I certainly appreciate. Now, I will also say that and admit that I have a team in my office who is completely versed at how to use software. And I am, I constantly laugh at myself that don't, <laughs> don't give me any buttons or switches to press because <laughs> I destroy something. So... <laughs> Well, it's, it's, it's always good to um, have different folks do different things. I, I, I understand what you're saying. I, I went through those painful times where, you know, they would come in and they would try to sell you one package for admissions that maybe was really uh, an altering of a, of a business office software. Um, and now it seems, are they, to me, they're becoming a lot more comprehensive. They're not too, too many standalone admissions programs. What do you, what do you see? Well, you know, I would say yes and no to that. Um, I would, th uh, one of the things that I appreciate very much about um, my technology team at St. Mark's is that what works for admission might not work for other offices. Mm. And so we have been able to make the case that that for what we do, what we need, and how we reach out to our families, this is what we should be using. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I um, I think what what admissions does has far more diverse needs. You know, there's that term CRM. You know, um, would you mind sharing your software and who do you use? Well, right now we use in residence. Okay. All right. I know that. I know there's there's more and more, but uh, how long have you used them? Um, I think we're in our third year. Yeah, it, it seems to be kind of a cycle. You you reach a you reach a point where you go, well, what's what else is out there? But I think it is good to constantly reevaluate how the software is working 
And yeah, and I think the other thing that's really important is that, um, you know, schools need to understand what their needs are yes. and how they're using the software. Um, because uh, some schools do say everyone in the whole school must use this. Yes, yes. Which creates a whole nother challenge yes. sometimes. So. Oh, and, I, and I found too that... Uh, there is kind of a territoriality. I remember in development, development uh, offices would be approached that way and they'd say, nope, we're only gonna use this and this is the way it is, we're not changing. Um, so I think, I, I think everybody does kind of like to control their own silo, if you will, because the needs are different. Well, I will be the first to admit that I am one of those very technologically challenged individuals. So the easier, the program is to use the more thankful I am. So. No, that's, that's well put. <laughs> I agree. The issue sometimes comes up in terms of compensation, getting back to attracting the best and brightest people into the admissions profession. What is your, what is your feeling? Uh, what's your, what is your understanding of the possibility of considering bonuses and commissions for admissions professionals? I personally, that's not something that I'm in favor of because I think it creates a different kind of competition that could lend itself to not bringing in mission appropriate kids to your school. If people are more concerned about how many kids they bring in instead of thinking about the bigger picture and the mission of the school, I think that could sometimes muddy the waters. Yeah. And that's just my personal opinion. Sure. I think probably uh, if someone had integrity, people that have integrity, hopefully they will always, because that's a short-term solution, certainly. But if they have integrity, hopefully they will steady the course and, and take the right people. But it's a discussion I mean, that's ongoing. Who doesn't love a bonus? I mean, who doesn't love a bonus? But That's right. <laughs> and, maybe, and maybe that's the first start. Is that you know when you when you sit down with your head and you say okay this is what the school needs and then, and then if they say well that's that's what you got but if you get this then there's maybe there's a carrot I don't know I don't I don't have all the answers but uh, as you say who doesn't like a bonus <laughs> Yeah but you know it's interesting when I think about what I do I work in a boarding school I don't look at what I do as a job I look at what I do as a lifestyle. There's many, many different things I could do, but I love this work and, and I do it because I love the kids. I love to see what happens to them after two, three or four years yes. at my school. And I still have alums that keep in touch with me. I still um, keep in touch with uh, kids that were my advisees. Uh -huh. um, you know, there's just so many special relationships that come out of this work. You know, you're absolutely right. As I, as I said earlier, I'm the oldest of seven. I'm a third generation educator. Uh, my wife actually brought me into this world because she was a Stonely Burnham four-year girl. And, and so coming from a big family into a boarding school was just the most natural transition because at a big family, you're always doing things. And at a boarding school, same thing. Like you said, you go from the office to the tennis team to maybe you've got advisees. Uh, it's, it's a, it's kind of a holistic cycle, I guess. As a professional, as a thought leader, you have this profession, but beyond the specific profession, what do you see as maybe one of the greatest challenges that we have as a society that we need to fix as soon as we can? Well, I think there's a lot of challenges in the society that we need to fix, but just to say something very simple, we need to be nice to each other. We're not very nice to each other right now in this world, and we need to fix that. My conversation with Mark Sclero came to almost the exact same conclusion. You say nice, he said kindness. It's the same thing. But that for him was the pivotal challenge that we have these days. I understand that completely. Now, I'm going to ask you, um, and this could perhaps be a compilation of, of your life philosophies or what you think is important, consider the freeway of life, shall we say, and you're going to put a billboard 
on that freeway that everybody's going to see, what do you want them to remember or not forget based upon your life experiences and what you feel is important? Trust yourself. Now, is there anything you want to give a little background on that? I mean, why is why is that important to you? I, it's important to me because there have been so many times in my life where I have second guessed something and I go back and I say to myself, why didn't I just trust my gut? That first instinct felt right. And over the years in life and in this profession, I have learned how to trust myself and trust my gut and say, this feels right. This is what we need to do. Gotcha. I can't thank you again for your for your wonderful kindness and, and time in, in what I'm sure is still a busy day for you. Is there anything else that you'd like to share with the listeners uh, on any topic uh, at all? You know, Tom, I would say if you are at all thinking about this profession, don't hesitate to jump into it. It's fun. It's challenging. It's interesting. Um, one of the things that I never knew would be so rewarding for me is all the travel. Mm. I have traveled around this world. I have met the most amazing people. I have kept up connections. I know a lot of times you'll hear admission directors say, oh my gosh, I'm so stressed. I have so much work to do. <laughs> but that's just part of what we do. And we have a lot of people to answer to. But at the end of the day, it is an incredibly rewarding profession. Well, thank you. I, I couldn't agree more. I think some of the, my most challenging times have been in admissions, but also I tell you, at the end of the season, when you finally got the students you need and you're happy with all the kids that you got, it's, it's, it's about as great a high as you could ever have. Uh, it's, it's something that I found, found very, very special. And I've done fundraising too. I used to be a director of development. And to me, it doesn't compare with admissions. I found fundraising rather easy compared to, to all the details of admissions. So as you said, it's, it's a challenging but absolutely rewarding profession. And, and again, I want to thank you for sharing your time. Um, I will keep you posted. I think, you're, I think this episode is scheduled to go out uh, on May 21st, but I will keep you updated and send you all the appropriate links. But I think the link I sent you allows you to, to get on uh, and, and subscribe to the podcast. So um, we'll stay in touch. I wish you a fabulous uh, tennis season and may you, uh, may you bring home a couple of personal championships as well. <laughs> well, thank you, Tom. It's just so, so great to be with you today. Thank you. Well, my pleasure. Go out there, be safe, Anne, and we will talk again soon. And I hope Nettie feels better. <laughs> thank you. Me too. <laughs> okay. Well, my friend. Thank you. That's all for today's exciting episode of the Admissions Entrepreneur, A Day in the Life, with me, your host, Tom Skank, founder of Dartmouth Associates and creator of the Results-Oriented Recruiting Solution, otherwise known as ROAR. Again, we've been treated to more fascinating stories by our guest. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes so you'll never miss an episode and share the podcast link with your friends and colleagues. Also, stop by our website at dartmouthassociates.com. That's dartmouthassociates.com to review show notes. Thank you for listening. And until next week, have a terrific day and please stay safe. This episode is brought to you by Winner Marketing. They are a global company that actually understands independent schools. I know, as their advisor, I bring 30 years of educational success, both as a head of school and director of admissions. They don't try to squeeze you into a campaign template that doesn't fit your educational needs. Instead, they first listen carefully to your concerns and develop a creative solution just for you. They understand the increasing competition in the marketplace and aggressively pursue a comprehensive campaign to elevate the school brand to your target market. Their precise approach guides potential families from awareness to inquiry 
and to finally enroll. They use world-class methods to raise credibility and rankings by featuring you in top-tier press campaigns and optimizing your Google rankings with dynamic content. Additionally, they create press releases, funnel and ad campaigns, SMS and email nurturing. Also, they enhance domain authority, create backlink strategies, and engage top-tier retainers to get you featured in platinum publications such as Forbes and Business Insider. They will also create a podcast branding tour to exponentially increase your exposure. They've got the skills to help small nonprofits to multi-million dollar corporations. Contact them now. They can save your school. You can reach them at their website, which is winner, W-Y-N-N-E-R marketing.com. That's winner marketing, W-Y-N-N-E-R marketing.com. Or reach them via email at info at wintermarketing.com. That's I-N-F-O at winner, W-Y-N-N-E-R marketing.com. This episode is sponsored by the NinjaGram app. Let's talk about automating your social media with the NinjaGram app over at www.ninjagram.com ninjagram.app. This Instagram software will help you automate and grow your Instagram following fast by using their auto follow, auto unfollow, auto comment, auto like, and auto story views feature, and much more. Get over to www.ninjagram.app today to purchase and download the Ninjagram app at www.ninjagram.app. N-I-N-J-A-G-R-A-M dot app and start growing your Instagram following fast today. Also, I want to give a shout out to my producers over at Hype Music Network and jwattproduction.com. These guys produce all my episodes and I trust no one else to bring the quality performance I demand every time. If you need help with your first podcast, they will take you by the hand and guide you through the whole process. Visit them at hypemusicnetwork.com. That's H-Y-P-E-M-U-S-I-C-N-E-T-W-O-R-K.com and at jwattproduction.com. That's J-A-Y-W-A-T-P-R-O-D-U-C-T-I-O-N.com. You will not be disappointed.